0: Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll like, never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try and sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Will your parents morons too? A savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. Congratulations. That really turned out well. A really good I'm really good. I'm I'm brilliant. You know, I wish I thought of that. I never thought it How did you do that? i so glad you're, here, you're here. I wish I had the courage to call
1: my friends. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show, everybody. We're broadcasting on WLCB 101.5 FM, based in the Greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I've also advised startups and small businesses over the past 30 years. I've seen a lot of mistakes, and I've made a lot of mistakes myself. The show really has two goals, to share helpful information and resources, and two, to inspire you. Hopefully make your journey as an entrepreneur faster and easier, and maybe just a little bit more fun. To help with that, I have guests on the show every week who are willing to share their stories and advice. And this week's guest is Chris Pinakis. Chris is the founder of Acuity Advisory Partners, which works with early stage businesses to develop innovative and effective market entry strategies. Prior to founding that, he held several senior leadership positions at Motorola Solutions. He also served as managing director of Motorola's North Asia operation. Now, Chris also volunteers as a mentor and a workshop facilitator for an organization called SCORE, which I hope most of you have heard of, but if not, you need to check it out. It's a nonprofit organization that has helped more than 11 million entrepreneurs and their services are free and a resource you need to check out. I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk with Chris a little bit more about score today. In his spare time, which I, I find it hard to believe he has much of, but he's a mentor and a coach for the incubator program at the William Fremd High School in Palatine, Illinois. In addition to his consulting practice and volunteer work, Chris says he enjoys playing golf with his brothers, trying out new recipes with his wife, and having dance parties with his grandchildren, which sounds like just a lot of fun, Chris. So thanks so much for being on the show today, Chris. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show.
0: Well, thank you, Doris. Delighted to be here and happy new year. I think we're all ready for (laughs) 2021 to begin, that's for sure.
1: I think we are too. You know, Chris, and by the way, folks, today what we're gonna talk about with Chris, is how to create a really good pitch deck, one that wins over investors and other folks in your audience.
0: So, Chris, what is a pitch deck exactly? Well, it's <laughs> a great question. I mean, I think most of us think in terms of PowerPoint slides, someone making making a pitch to an investor. and, and that's certainly one element that's used quite a bit. In its simplest forms, you know, it's words, it's images, you really want to tell the story of the venture. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. And most pitch decks, if they're done well, they usually accomplish three things. One is they get people to understand about their business. Second one is they get them to care about it. And that's really an important element. Mm -hmm. But finally, hopefully, they're going to take action right and do something about it I talk about this in terms of uh, even when we were very young (laughs) whether we were doing show-and-tell or doing a a science fair most of us have had some experience along the way doing a pitch Uh, and so uh, this is a process that has just continued and it's a very effective way for entrepreneurs to tell their story
1: so kind of, I think of it as kind of an expanded elevator speech, is that, is that sort of fair to think
0: of it that way? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say that an elevator speech is one element of a pitch, right? Uh, that might be a, a very quick one. Uh, we used to say, I, I think a lot of business people think in terms of you, you just have two minutes, three minutes, and, and you're going to make your pitch. Or, or it can be something more extensive. Uh, it can go on for a good period of time. Sometimes it's a narrative form. So it's it's really a variety. Some people like written. So you know, most of us think in terms of a a presentation, but it also can be something done in a, a written format as well. So Chris, talk a little bit about your company, Acuity
1: Advisory Services, and what it does and then maybe how you came to be so passionate about putting together a good pitch deck
0: well doris i i was really fortunate during the course of my career uh i worked for you you had mentioned the company i spent most of my career was with motorola at at the time i was with motorola it was a very entrepreneurship type company they really fostered that the galvin family uh really encouraged an entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit I mean, if you think about this, this is the company that launched the portable cell phone, which actually kind of came to being in the 1970s. It was launched in the 1980s. But at the time they developed that, there were pay phones everywhere that, you know, you could pay 10 cents and make a call. The first portable cell phone went for 39.95, which today would be $10,000, $10,000 for the device. Wow and the airtime was a dollar a minute. Now, can you imagine pitching that idea to a senior leadership team? But that, that was the environment that we operated in. And most of the managers around Motorola always had a three-inch binder, and inside their three-inch binder, okay, Doris, I'm gonna test your memory now, were transparencies. And we would put those on a little projector and lay those out. This was before PowerPoint. Most of us all carried those around. And so you never knew when you were gonna come in contact with somebody to pitch your idea for a new product or service. And uh, that's the environment that I grew up in. So that that was a, it was an exciting place to be. And, uh, you know, as we even going overseas, you mentioned being in Asia, I mean, that was also an exciting environment where entrepreneurship was just a way of life. So after uh, I retired from Motorola, uh, when, you, when you talk about uh, acuity, one of the other things that Motorola was very big on is focusing on vertical markets. So public safety, electric utility, transportation, uh and then that was an area that i spent a good deal of time in so after i retired i received a call from a colleague who was interested in pursuing a new market and from there it just became a word of mouth with acuity and so i've been doing that for a number of years but quite honestly today i, I, I really find myself spending a, a good deal of time with score doing more pro bono work and uh, I, I do a good deal of work with the uh, Friend High School Group, which is really using a curriculum that was developed by an organization called Incubator EDU, which is, is kind of a fascinating story unto itself. Uh, I'll just real quickly mention that. They, sure. they actually, the, the program was developed in uh, 2013 at a Barrington High School, right here in the northwest suburbs of uh, Chicago. Uh, today, and it started just at Barrington, Today, there's uh, 375 schools in 27 states. It includes Hong Kong, Australia, Japan. And what they've done is they've brought together business professionals to work in conjunction with the uh, business teaching professionals at the high school. So it's a real collaborative learning environment. They're giving the uh, students real-world applications. And I've been doing it for about six years now. Great, great students launching their product. They actually pitch at the end of the year to kind of a Shark Tank kind of environment. And they can get investments of twenty to $40,000 depending on uh, the school and how they're operating. And uh, so there's some, you know, they've launched some pretty exciting businesses, in fact, uh, a couple of the kids, I know one has gone on to Shark Tank and gotten an investment from there as well. So it's a wow. great stories. Some
1: that, great is stories. A, that is a terrific story and one that makes me happy to hear because I when I look back on my own life, I'm not even sure I would have spent much time, frankly, suffering in uh, for many years in corporate America. I mean, there were parts of it that I enjoyed a lot. But um, but you know I never I never knew about that you could start your own business and what a great way to to expose kids to the idea of being an entrepreneur and alternative careers and um, you know something that I know you and I touched on when we spoke earlier which is that and you alluded to it with Motorola. And, and we were comparing notes about both of our experience with global businesses and, and international operations, there are so many ways that, that employees today need to think entrepreneurially, even if they're working in a larger organization, right? So this is, this is, um, this is great because it helps teach, teach kids skills that are gonna be important for a lot of them as their career evolves, probably uh, faster and faster, frankly, changing faster and faster as they grow up and join the workforce, right?
0: Absolutely, Doris. Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, I, I, I've often said to the students that I work with that it's not just skills that you're going to start your own business. I mean, you, you really think in terms of, we spend a good deal of time having them actually do presentations in front of the group. And it's a great skill set. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about the pitch deck today, but as you know, in all aspects of business, just the ability to communicate effectively, uh, to tell your story, to demonstrate energy, enthusiasm, uh, all of those are important skills. And, um, you know, they're, whether they're uh, pitching themselves, uh, for a scholarship to go on to college, or they're talking about a business, or they're talking about some other aspect of their life. I mean, it's th- those are tools that they will continue to use along the way.
1: Absolutely agree, and I think not just giving a good presentation, but the ability to persuade. You know, you there are so many things that you want to try to accomplish in your personal and business life that require persuasion skills. And so I think that's a good good segue into the pitch deck. Because really the pitch deck is, is, a, is a way to help persuade. And I think you alluded to that, that at the end, one of the three key elements is a call to action, which obviously is another way of saying, you try to persuade somebody and then you want them to actually act on that. So let, let's dig into the
0: pitch deck itself. So why should a startup create a pitch deck? You know, I, I, I think the ability for a startup to both effectively and really efficiently, and, and that's an important element of it, to tell their story, to talk about the business venture. I mean, typically, if people are starting a business, they're pretty excited about it. And mm-hmm. one of the disciplines that they have to get into is how do you make this an efficient how do you synthesize this because you can kind of go on and on especially when you're really into it and so it's that ability to put that together and tell their story and you know most of us think that it's all about getting financial support and and that's that's an important element of it but really you know the pitch deck is used along the way you're doing it when you're looking for prospective partners for your business You might be doing it if you're looking to hire somebody. So how do you get an employee, a prospective employee, excited? You might do it for trade groups. There's a lot of organizations that have grant making. They have pitch competitions, so you can get funding for it that way. And uh, sometimes it's just having your opportunity to tell your story in front of friends, in front of family members. I mean, most people know who have started their own company that in the early days, it's friends and family who are funding. <laughs> so right. You've got, got to be able to tell your story to them as well. So I, I think it's it's not only for that investment community. It's a, it's a real broad-based in terms of how you're doing that. What should startups hope to accomplish with their pitch deck? Well, you know, we talked about it uh, a little earlier, Doris. I, I, I think the most important thing that they, they hope to accomplish with it is ideally they hope that their audience is going to take some action as a result of what they heard you you certainly hope you're going to connect you hope you're going to create an emotional bond with the group that your your audience you're presenting to but at the end of the day uh, with your pitch deck you would like something to occur as a result of that you'd like them you think in terms of shark tank Uh, What are they looking for they're looking for someone to make an investment someone to become a partner with them Uh, You can do a great pitch, but if it doesn't result in some action that takes place Okay, then it was maybe just good entertainment and uh, most people uh, Don't want to spend a lot of their time just doing that, you know, you come off and say well That was kind of fun and everybody applauded but (laughs) Nothing happened as a result of it
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. So you see a lot of pitch decks. I hate to think how many you've probably seen in the course of your career in some form or another. And you've seen a lot of good ones and bad ones. What should a good pitch deck always include?
0: Well, you're right. I mean, there there are a lot of different components of your business that you might want to talk about. And it's, it's a little bit different with each company, and it's a little bit different depending on the audience uh, that you're working with. But really, uh, a pitch deck should include a variety of elements, and most of them are kind of 10 to 12 slides. That's what I've seen most of the really effective pitch decks go through. And I, I think they go through a whole process of talking about who they are and that's kind of an overview of of the business kind of giving a, a brief overview of who they're about then it's how big this opportunity is what's what's happening in the market why is this a good time for this idea to take place the problem what problem are they trying to solve you know that this is one that's so interesting because people tend to want to focus on their solution or their idea Right. They well, really, want
1: to focus on features and benefits as opposed to, exactly.
0: you know, the, whether the real problem. Needs. Yeah, absolutely. Here's an interesting statistic, Doris, when you talk about problem that, you know, I, I know you probably know this, but in the small business world, about half of the small businesses fail in the first five years. And yeah. of those, the vast majority fail because there's no market need. And this is astounding, but We get so excited about our idea and about a solution that we don't really focus on. What problem are we trying to solve when we go through here? And so identifying that and being very clear about it is critical. Solution, how are you gonna solve that problem? Not only how are you gonna solve it, but what makes you unique in the marketplace? What makes you different than the other companies out there that are maybe addressing the same problem? Traction. You know, the investors, people want to know what what demonstrates traction. Now, you know, obviously, a lot of people look at it in terms of saying, well, I'm going to talk about how many sales have gotten. But there's a lot of ways today you can talk about traction. How many followers do you have? You know, social media. How many hits do you have on your website? Uh, how many people have gone from not your first page of your website, but they've gone through other pages of your site? So identifying that and being able to communicate it. Of course the market and how big the market is and who your customer is I'll tell you a story I was doing some mentoring at a university level and the professor would go around with the felt-tip pen and he'd toss it at one of the students he'd say go up to the whiteboard tell us everything about your customer who's your ideal customer what do they do what do they read how do they find out about new businesses?" So understanding that market and that customer is something that most investors want to know that you get. You, you understand who that's all about. Mm-hmm. Competition, of course, <laughs> Here, here's the crazy thing. We work with so many startups and, and new companies. I've done it for so many years and so frequently, I'll say, so who are you going to compete with? Who do you compete with? And I know you've heard this too, Doris. And so, no one, no one's doing this. I said, really? Nobody, yeah,
1: we're the first. Nobody, so,
0: nope, we're the only ones. It's my idea. It's so fresh and new. <laughs> okay. And, and so usually it doesn't take too long when you do a little search and you say, I just found three other companies. No, no, no. I <laughs> it's, funny, it's, it's funny you
1: mention that because my guest last week was uh, the founder of one of the accelerators in the area, a company called Generator, which you probably heard of. And he said, um, you know, that you need to really be prepared when, you know, because they're they're an investor, right? And so he they have people pitching to them all the time. And he said one of the worst is is when you know we'll just be, we'll ask people who their competition is, and they'll say nobody, just like you said. We're so unique. And he and he said, you know, we'll just one of us will just Google. And come up with it and say, Well, what about this company? What do they do and how are you different from them? And he said, If you can't answer that, you're pretty much toast. It's the end
0: of the interview right there. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely it. And, and it's always shocking to me how someone looks like a deer in the headlights when you ask that question. You ask the name of the company. And they say, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a, that, that tells me a lot right there. Well, right, right. His,
1: his point was, you need to know, you need to know as much about the marketplace that you're proposing to be in, or planning to be in, as anybody out there. So, you know, right. do your do your
0: homework, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, one one of the um, one of the areas that I saw very effectively when I when I actually do this presentation for workshops, uh, I use an example of Airbnb who has a really well-done pitch deck. I mean, there are many really well-done, but Airbnb has a really good. And for competition, uh, they actually do a matrix where they plot all of their competitors and themselves in terms of performance. And then they go on to talk about, and here's what makes us different. And that's, that's a real key here. What's your unique value prop? What's going to make you different yeah. than your competitors? It's not that yes. there's not out there. They are out there, but right. here's what makes us unique. Right. You, you you wanna be able to communicate how you're gonna make money. So a little bit about your business model. You wanna talk about your team and not just name names. You wanna talk about the unique skills that this team brings together that are gonna help drive this solution uh, into the market. Uh, you know, I, I remember talking with some investors that say, Frequently, we invest in the people. The idea is an element of it, but we really wanna know these are people who can execute on this and, and make it a success. And so that's an important element. And then finally, especially for an investor, how are you gonna use the funds? And <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just the ask, you're gonna make the ask, but more importantly is, you've gotta be pretty detailed of how you're gonna use them. And in fact, what's your timeline? Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do over this period of time. Here's what you can expect. You know, most good investors they're gonna to want to meet with you on a regular basis to make sure that you're performing to what you projected, that what you committed that you were gonna do. So those are those are just ten. You could use a wide variety. I know sometimes people have included things on patents that they've that they've secured, that's an important, you could do that under traction or you could make that a separate uh, category. Sometimes people have shown uh, sales funnels because they have very proud of that, they've had a lot of success. So these are not the only ones, but these are the ones, if you look up a lot of the best pitches, you'll find that most of them include some element of what I've just shared with you. Phenomenal
1: advice. And I hope people were taking notes as they're listening to this. You know, you, you said something that I that really struck me and I think maybe was one of the biggest mistakes that I have made and folks that I've worked with in starting businesses have made, which is the, the last point you made about how you're going to spend the money. I think that that is much harder than it sounds because a lot of people come into a business and they have this idea because they're a subject matter expert or they have particular skills that have led them to the idea. And yet that's a really different thing than figuring out out of all the things you could could spend money on. And there's lots of them when you're starting up. What makes the most sense from a really hard-nosed business standpoint, what advice can you offer for entrepreneurs
0: about that? I think you're absolutely right, Doris. And and, and I would say you need to take the time ahead of time to think through this and to get some good counsel uh, along the way. One of the things that I've always encouraged startups to do fairly early on in the process is to put together and advisory board uh, mm. of, of really smart folks who are knowledgeable about the industry that you're looking to work in who are familiar with uh, some of the companies there uh, some of the groups and to work with them to get some feedback to help you through the process uh, from a preparation standpoint of when I do this ask where should I be focusing in the early stage? A good advisory board has hopefully gone through this themselves. And hopefully on your board, you've got some folks who have started not just one company, maybe they've started a number of companies. Or mm. maybe they've uh, actually been in investor groups and they've been on the board. So they've got a pretty good sense of what the investor groups are going to be looking for. And, you know, that's the whole idea of mentoring, right, Doris? I mean, you do that with uh, companies. I do that. There's many, many people out there that are willing to provide this help for you to kind of think through it ahead of time. You don't want to wing this. This is the close, if you will. This is what it's all building up for. And so you don't want to just throw this together at the last minute. This should be one of the first things you're working on.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, Chris, I need to ask you to hold your thoughts for just a second. We need to take a quick break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. Folks, we'll be right back with Chris Benakis talking about putting together a winning pitch deck. This is Doris Nagel, and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Our guest this week is Chris Benakis, who is the founder of Acuity Advisory Services, which helps small businesses put together their strategy, and uh, he's also a SCORE mentor and advisor, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about both of those organizations here in the second half of the hour. Now, in the first half, we talked about with Chris about what elements should be in a great pitch deck, and Chris, you know, we didn't talk about one area that I know you're passionate about, and I think maybe is um, related to where where to start because I know it's it's one thing to refine a deck and and have people say well you should include you know more uh, market sizing information or more about what customers want in your pricing model um, but I think a lot of people struggle with where the heck to start it's really hard when you. You're looking at that blank computer screen or, or blank presentation. And uh, I know you're really passionate about storytelling. So how does storytelling fit into the process and how can that help investor? Uh, sorry, entrepreneurs get started putting their pitch deck together?
0: Well, you're right, Doris. I mean, I, I, I think that's one of the most important aspects of it. You know, today we hear a lot. Of people that will say hey tell me your story and and most of us think that's in terms of I, I want to give you my resume right yeah <laughs> I, mean, right. I want to tell you where I grew up and where I went to school and how many jobs I had." they really want to hear your story and what a story enables you to do is humanize your pitch it, it, you know you're trying to create some emotion you're trying to connect with your audience most of us can remember uh, listening to a presentation that really struck us, that really captured us. Uh, you know, what I always say to the folks that I'm working with is you, you want to get your audience nodding. You want to get them <laughs> where they're engaged. And, yeah. you know, especially when you think of investment community doors, these are folks that see loads and loads of presentations. If you're not kept capturing their attention quickly, it's gone. It's gone. I mean, they'll just cut you right off and say, Good, hey, thanks. <laughs> and then they're off to something else. And so it's important to create some emotion. One of my favorite stories actually happened at the high school level. And this was the first year that the program was launched at Barrington High School. And one of the winning groups was a group called Find My Bus. Find My Bus, the U.S. This was in 2013. So here's, here's the story with this. The, the fella who headed up that team, this young guy's sister had a disability. So it was very hard for her to have to wait outside in a cold Chicago winter for the school bus. Because in many instances, you didn't know when that bus was going to arrive. And he had grown up with his sister and seen how difficult it was for her. And so he began his presentation by showing a picture and telling the story of how difficult it was and what she had to overcome with that. And then the solution was to actually be able to track the school bus in the same way you might do your Uber car today, right? So that you can stay inside, you could track that bus and then go out with just a few minutes to spare when the bus was getting ready to pull up. Now, it just captured the entire investment panel because this was somebody speaking from his heart. He had a right. real life story that he was telling and he was right. talking about overcoming this difficulty. And right. you know, that, that's a pretty positive or not only positive, but pretty effective way to start you know most of us think in terms of dumping a bunch of powerpoint slides but there is nothing to replace just that impact and the persuasiveness of a good story on the front end so yes well how do you start putting your your pitch together i think in terms of a storyboard and what i always encourage the groups i work with is to actually think in terms of a room where you you take your you know, your, your slides, or you take just a sheet of paper and you put it up with kind of that first group and you put it up on the wall. And then you're kind of looking at it around, how does this information tell my story? How, how, what are we communicating here? So, you know, I gave you some ideas uh, earlier in the segment about some of the slides you could do. There's a whole variety, variety. Part of it is, what, are, what story do I want to tell? And so sometimes just putting it up on the wall and looking at it as a team and moving those slides saying, oh, let's, let's move this over here. I think this would be more effective is a great way to begin the process of, of framing, framing the story as you go through. Uh-huh. And then thinking in terms of, do I have a backstory? Maybe something about your life. Maybe some way that you got started. Maybe it was a great, great grandfather that uh, started you down this path. So there's a there's a variety of different ways to tell stories. You don't want it to be phony. You don't want to just make something up, but but you know, sometimes it's just customer stories. Maybe it's a, something customers told you about why they needed this solution uh, in the marketplace. Well, you
1: raise a good point because I think a successful entrepreneur really needs to be passionate about what they're doing. It requires a lot of sacrifice, often a lot of financial sacrifice, but a lot of long hours, too. And obviously, there's a lot of things you won't be doing if you were trying to get a business started. So you've got to have passion. And so all it really is, is figuring out why are you so passionate about Doing this right, and how do you tell that story in a relatable way to people so they understand why you're so passionate about
0: it? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Doris, because one of the things that uh, I like to highlight there's a, a gentleman, Simon Simon Cynic, and, oh, and he yeah. does it, he, yeah he does a presentation around the Golden Circle, and if you haven't seen it, you can go into YouTube and check it out. But it's just an interesting. And in this story, he says the scold circle has three elements to it. Uh, the beginning is what you do. And a lot of people want to tell you what they do. And then the second is maybe they want to tell you how they do it, give you something. But the most successful organizations, the most successful people are, why? Why do you do what you do? I mean, there's a lot of ways you could spend your time and energy and money. Why are you doing this, whatever it might be? and that's where you can really that's where your passion can come out that's where you have a chance to really impact investors. remember earlier we talked about the fact that people and you know investors invest in people as much as they invest in the idea but they want to know you're passionate enough to deal with the tough parts because most good entrepreneurs will tell you there are a lot of bumps in the uh, along the way and, not and, all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. Oh, oh my gosh! And if you don't have that kind of energy and enthusiasm and passion around it, uh, you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it through. You're not going to be one of the successful ones. So, that's an important uh, part, hopefully, of what what you're trying to communicate. Yeah.
1: Well, I I alluded to the fact that you've probably seen a lot of pitch decks over the years, and I think you, you pretty much concluded that was, that's probably true. So I have to imagine you've seen some of the best and some of the worst. So talk about some of the most common mistakes people make with their pitch decks and what they ought to think about instead as a recommendation for them.
0: Well, I, I, I think the first one that comes to mind, Doris, when we talk about the mistakes are not knowing your audience. And sometimes we get our, ourselves in a situation where we have uh, only one pitch deck, and it's so many slides, and I can only do So not knowing your audience can really become a challenge for a lot of people. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story about this with one of the clients that I work with. So this gentleman was trying to get a meeting with a, a large investor, and he'd been trying for a long time, and we talked about an advisory board. Well, a member of the advisory board had given him some contact information. He was making the phone call simply to set up an appointment. That was the whole purpose of making the call. Lo and behold, he got thrown. Turns out that it, it forwarded to the cell phone, and there's the investor on the phone, and he explained he wanted to get an appointment. He wanted to set up an appointment. And the investor said, You know what? I just left the airport. I've got about 40 minutes until I get home. He said, Let's do it right now. Oh. Well, this fellow wasn't ready. My yeah, whole purpose was to get an appointment. Then I was going to practice. Then I was going to be ready. But here's an example because he really Wasn't didn't know his audience, hadn't prepared for the eventuality that that might happen. He he was completely stuck and really struggled. And he said he said I learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, the opportunity of a
1: lifetime just just went right out the door.
0: Exactly. So that's an important aspect. You've got to, and that changes all the time. You have different audiences. You've got to prepare accordingly. not practicing ahead of time, uh, I, I will see uh, especially newer entrepreneurs reading their pitch deck. Yeah, you, know, you, you, first of all, you don't want a lot of words on there anyway. You don't want to be reading. It's not a script. Uh, it, it's simply uh, images that are going to prompt you uh, into uh, telling more about your business, or about your, about your story as you go through. So you need to practice so that you're very comfortable. Uh, talking about it and you need to be flexible part of it issue is controlling the meeting sometimes that's hard again if you're with uh, very skilled entrepreneurs that can be difficult but I'll tell you another story I was with one of my clients when they were making a pitch and they had made an appointment and it was great and we went down and we were waiting in the lobby and a person came down and we, we were thinking we were gonna to go to a, a conference room and we were gonna be able to make, and again, they threw a curve and they said, no nah, let's do it right here. Well, you know, you're in the middle of a lobby, there's people coming around, there's folks drinking coffee, so it wasn't the ideal environment, but you've gotta be flexible enough and you, you can't get too locked into there's only one way this is gonna happen, knowing that you know things can change along the way. So, so Chris, do you
1: think, Chris, do you think that there are some investors who do that on purpose, just to see if you're nimble enough to roll
0: with it? Yes, yes, and yes, <laughs> absolutely, I absolutely do. Because if think about this. I mean, if you're in that same situation, Doris, you're thinking, hey, if you really know your business, if you really understand the market, if you really understand the competition, if you understand you got to be able to talk about that and deal with the questions as they come up. And, and that really leads me in, into the the other point I would make, and that is not anticipating the questions that you might get. Uh, I I worked with a, a group uh, at the high school level, and they were terrific, Doris. They had a great idea and a great program. They made it all the way to the nationals. To present this, and they spent most of their time fine-tuning their presentation, and they had it down really well. But they didn't spend time anticipating questions, and when the questions started coming, they were stuck. No, they, they had not figured out who was going to handle what questions, what might come, mm-hmm. how to right. deal with that. I, <laughs> and I, I remember. Uh, Even during my corporate days, uh, having somebody, we'd be be going in and we'd make a pitch and the client would say, well, your price is too high. And we'd be deer in the headlights. And i think, how can that be? How can (laughs) all of this, that that is the most obvious question that we would get. And that we don't have an answer for that. So. I think that happens with pitch decks as well. You've got to anticipate what those questions are going to be and and prepare for them. Yeah.
1: Well, and you make you've made the point really in several different ways as we've chatted that you need to be very careful as an entrepreneur not to avoid tunnel vision because it's really easy to be convinced your idea is the best one or that your Strategy of, or your business model is the best one. And people start to become, make the business about themselves. And, you know, I think your advice about getting an advisory board or at a minimum looking for outside advisors and people who can give you unbiased feedback. And I'm not talking about your best friend who happens to do something that is tangentially related to what you want to do. I'm talking about people who are going to give you the unartist truth and find those people who are really important.
0: Yeah. Pitching to your mom doesn't always give you the very best uh, input. (laughs) Because moms love you. They're going to tell you everything was great. (laughs) (laughs) You want to find a little bit of a different audience to really get get prepared.
1: Well, that's not as easy as it sounds because um, a lot of people don't want to hurt your feelings and they think they're doing you, you know, they're helping you by telling you, finding positives, which, you know, most of us as human nature, we hear some positives and we glom onto those positives. (laughs) We forget about all the sort of, well, but maybe you should, you know, and that all gets lost in the process. And so being able to be brave enough and open enough to hear and really, really pursue some of the negative or less than positive comments you get and really dig into those is, is important. Not just with a good pitch deck, but frankly, with any great no. business idea.
0: No, you're, no, you're right. And I, I, I think that's all part of the process of learning and the whole idea of either uh, pivoting because you've learned from something and you're going to do something a little different or persevere and, and continue to go forward with it. Uh, I, I would just mention one more thing, Doris, when we talk about uh, a little bit about mistakes. One of the things that I always encourage is that you've got to follow up. After you've done the pitch, you've you've got to follow up with the group. Whether it's in writing, whether it's a call, whether it's a a quick note, but you you can't just leave that hanging out there. Uh, Sometimes, again, and and sometimes at two levels of this, if the pitch went really, really well, sometimes we forget about following up because we're so excited that we felt really good about it and it went well. And other times, if we think it didn't go well, we spend a lot of time concerned about that and not following up. So both of those elements can can cause people to not follow up when they when they actually should be spending some time doing that. Interesting.
1: Well let's talk just a little bit about how acuity advisory services helps companies with their pitch decks and their their business strategies getting started. Um, and also how score helps them.
0: Well, that's great. I, I mean, we try to do exactly what we're, what we're talking about. We try to help them think through new market segments that they'd like to pursue. And, uh, that's a very effective way for companies to grow their business is to think about new, new markets that they may want to enter into. And that can be, as I mentioned earlier, a vertical market. Uh, it can be just, a new geographic uh, market that they haven't entered into, but that's an important element, and there's a lot of strategy that goes into uh, how you do that and how you make that move. And let's talk a little bit about SCORE. I, I mean, SCORE is a wonderful, I, I I have loved my time with SCORE, uh, and they're probably one of the best-kept secrets, quite honestly, Doris.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm astounded still at the number of people that I come across who are either business advisors or are entrepreneurs or wanna be entrepreneurs who have never heard of SCORE. So talk a little bit about that.
0: Well, SCORE's been around since 1964 uh, and they're their resource partner the SBA, the Small Business Administration. And over the time, uh, they've worked with probably 11 million entrepreneurs. And was- here's the the, the interest 11 million entrepreneurs and wow. around the country. And here's the amazing part. It's free. It's free mentoring. It's free workshops. It's free educational resources. I mean, if you go on the SCORE site and you look up a certain industry, a certain skill set that you're looking for, you can find a SCORE mentor that can help you out. Or if you're working with a SCORE mentor, they'll bring in other SCORE mentors that have uh, certain skill sets. And, and one of the things that's really been interesting to us this past year, we've been doing a lot more via video and phone and, and email, but what it's enabled the clients to do is actually tap into, you may find somebody in Southern California that has the skill that you're looking for and doing video mentoring, uh, you can do it wherever you are uh and so you're not limited to a geographic location and the people that are there um, and really what score tries to do is they they really try to get business communities really build kind of a vibrant business community and they've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 11,000 volunteers nationwide about 300 chapters wow. I'm part of the North Cook and Lake County chapter here in the Chicagoland area, we've got about 60 mentors, and we uh, we conduct workshops in the area. Up until the time that we had the pandemic, we did a lot of workshops at a lot of the uh, libraries. We partner with them. I actually got involved through a friend that I had worked with in Asia. He was very active at uh, SCORE. He thought it was an organization I would enjoy being part of, and he's absolutely right. I have just found them to be a uh, dynamic organization with just a great group of people. And I would tell you, if you're a small business, I know you don't have a lot of money right now that you're working with. This is an organization you should at least check out. Hopefully you'll be pleased with the people that you're working with. And one of the things to keep in mind is if you're not clicking with one of the mentors, there's other mentors. So check it out and see what you can find.
1: And I think the other thing too is that you may be able to tap into different advisors for different things. So let's say, for example, you're not sure if your presentation skills are the best. You can tap into somebody who really is great at that, who can give you some feedback and maybe help you with some other resources with that. Or, um, you know, one of the things I've seen a lot, unfortunately, is people that the content of their deck is probably good but the layout the graphics just making it easy on the eye maybe you need some work with that there's probably somebody in score who can help you with both of those things or other areas of your pitch deck right
0: no you're absolutely right Yeah, and score mentors you know we identify skill sets of team members and so for instance i've had a number of instances where i've been mentoring the client and we start out maybe working in one area and then they'll come forward and say, I've got some tax questions. And I said, well, that's not my area, but yeah. I can find one of the folks on the team that can help you out with that. We'll bring them in and maybe we'll have a conference call. Maybe we'll bring them in person, you know, once we get back to doing that. But you're right, Doris. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing about it. These are people that just feel that they've been very blessed over the years. They want to be able to give back. And this is a wonderful way for them to do it. And so it's a great organization. So yeah. uh, hopefully people will give it a shot.
1: So Chris, any final words of advice for entrepreneurs who are interested in creating a winning pitch deck?
0: So Doris, I'd have three final thoughts. Uh, one is it's important to note that you can have a great idea, but if you can't convince others to buy into that idea, it really doesn't matter. That being said, a pitch deck really does enable you to inspire, motivate, ultimately to persuade others to take a desired course of action. And finally, the most inspiring entrepreneurs use stories, and they do it to establish trust. They build a deeper emotional relationship with their audience. I'd like to share just some resources that I've used over the years in creating pitch decks. One is a book called Get Backed, B-A-C-K-E-D. It's by Evan Bayer and Evan Loomis. It's a terrific book, Doris. It not only talks about pitch decks, it also talks about financing and investments. It's a Great, great resource tool. Secondly is Steve Blank, who is a serial entrepreneur and Stanford professor. He has a website called steveblank.com. It is filled with free information, presentations, documents that I think entrepreneurs will really enjoy going through. And finally, there's a book from Carmen Gallo called The Storyteller's Secret. Again, it gives you a chance to read some of the great presentations, some of the great stories that have been told, and some of the really gifted presenters over the years. So those three, I think, hopefully will be helpful for those listening in. And uh, again, I'm happy to help out with uh, any folks who would like to just reach out directly to me.
1: So last question for you, Chris, if people are interested in more information, either about Acuity Advisory Services or SCORE, or they just want to, you know, brainstorm with you about pitch decks, what's the
0: best way for them to reach you? So I think the, the best way is certainly, uh, since we've, we've highlighted score and that's important is, um, just putting my name in and it's uh, so a score mentor and we can start from there. Uh, my email is chris.banakis at scorevolunteer.org. Spell your name just to make sure people can find you. C-H-R-I-S dot B-A-N-A-K-I-S at scorevolunteer.org. I'll be there and love to help you out if you need some help, at least get you started or at least get you pointed in in a good direction.
1: Really terrific information. Chris, thanks so much for being my guest this week. It was great having you on the show. Really appreciate your time and insights.
0: Thank you, Doris. It was my pleasure. Uh, And all the best to a very healthy and successful 2021. Thank you. Same to you.
1: That's our show for this week, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again, especially to our guest today, Chris Benakis, the founder of Acuity Advisory Partners, as well as a score advisor and mentor, talking about how to create a winning pitch deck. You can find more helpful information and resources on my website, globalositieservicesplural.com. There's a library there of free blogs, tools, podcasts, and other resources. I'd always love to hear from you. You can email me at any time with suggestions, comments, or uh, challenges that you're having at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakes, plural, lakesradio.org. I promise I'll respond. I'd love to hear from you. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time, noon Eastern. We'll have another great guest and topic. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel wishing you happy Entrepreneurial.